Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CXCast. This is Sam Stern, co-host, joined, as always, by Diana Laufer. Hi, everyone. This week, we have researcher Kelly Price on the line from our San Francisco office. Hi, Kelly. Hi. We wanted to talk to you about your new report called Build Real Customer Understanding. So, wow, that title makes me want to read the report. <laughs> Good job. Um, what is real customer understanding? Maybe give us a, the, the quick thumbnail on the report. Sure. What we find is that most organizations and certainly uh, most CX pros recognize that understanding customers is important. We actually just got some data back from our team's most recent survey, and we found in that that only 2% of our respondents said that their organization isn't doing any customer research at all. So that's great. But what we also find is that a lot of firms, the research that they are doing might not actually be helping them to achieve the understanding they're looking for. There's a difference between doing research sort of in quotes that kind of amasses information as opposed to doing research that um, is aggregating real insights, actually getting you closer to understanding the wants, needs, and uh, motivations of your customers. So in this report, we sort of lay out some steps that firms can take to make sure that the information that they are getting from their research is resulting in real knowledge that can help them get closer to improving customer experiences. Got it. All right. So everybody's doing some form of research, virtually everybody, right, minus the 2%. But what are some of the you know, what are the, some of the things that maybe get in their way from getting good insights mm-hmm. out of the research they're doing? Right. So one of the primary impetuses for this research was we find that a lot of firms over-rely on self-report methods. By self-report, I mean primarily surveys, focus groups. The interviews in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad methods, but they're using them often inappropriately. And the reason that these methods can be particularly problematic is that what people say is not gospel, right? We all have a lot of biases. We lack introspection. And so when you ask people why they did something or what they think they're going to do in the future, the information that we get back is often unreliable, but firms are using that as a basis to make decisions. And the second key part of that is that all firms, regardless of how hard you try, are operating on some form of assumptions about mm. uh, who their customers are and what they want, and without incorporating a process to weed those out systematically and bring them to the surface at a regular cadence, those things end up shading both the approach to research and the way that you interpret the information. So in this report, what we were trying to do is kind of out two of the core problems, and then what do you do to sort of combat those? So then that kind of begs the question, Kelly, how do you combat them? I mean, how do, how do companies avoid running into those issues that you just outlined? Tell right. us, Kelly, so, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> There's three key things that we lay out in this. The first is pretty simple. Um, it's expand your suite of research methods. And I don't just mean, you know, throw a bunch of extra research methods into the pot, but uh, it takes being a little bit more thoughtful about where are you on your path to understanding customers? What is the information that you need to know? And using that as a basis for determining the methods that you need to use um, for where you are in that journey. And the second, to address the issue, particularly with self-report methods, as as I mentioned, they have a place within any uh, successful research program, but firms need to become more prudent about when and why they're using them. And the third point is also to find ways to confront internal assumptions and build in processes to weed those out. So one thing that I see all the time in regards to problems with self-report research, especially in surveys, are questions about why someone made a certain selection or made a decision. So you might ask, like, which of these two things would you prefer? Why did you make that choice? And the problem with that is that people can't really answer that question. The more 
majority of human thought is actually subconscious. We don't have a lot of insight into our motivations for why we do certain things. So we might come up with an answer, but oftentimes it's not true. And the real rub with the situation is that from the perspective of the individual, we don't have the insight to be able to know if the reason that we come up with is true or not. So asking that question of that individual is actually unfair, let alone yes, not come up right. yield a real yeah. insight because they can't give you a straight answer about why they did or thought or felt what they did. Yes. And the thing is that though they'll think that they're telling the truth a lot of times and it's very right. difficult to be able to drill down and see like is this the actual reason why or not because it's not people aren't intentionally lying to you it's just a fact of human psychology that we don't we don't know why we do what we do for most most of the time so instead of asking people that um, what you probably would want to do as a better situation is to observe people in context take more of an anthropological approach observe what people are doing and then as you come and ideate on certain solutions actually testing prototypes of those solutions with people because people are also pretty poor predictors of what they will like or do in the future, and actually seeing people interact with things is, provides much better insight um, as opposed to asking them in the abstract. One pretty famous example of this comes from Lego. Uh, for There was a period of time um, several years ago where they were doing pretty poorly. They thought that their product wasn't really resonating with kids anymore. They had kind of developed this assumption that kids' attention spans being significantly reduced, being living in the digital world, um, and all of the research they were doing was confirming this. But when they took the opportunity to actually go out and observe kids in context and try to get a bigger picture of their lives, they found that actually one of the core motivators for children is a sense of mastery and control. And they found this from a pretty interesting way of there was one kid that they went to go talk to in his home, and he had these shoes that were really worn down. And um, the researcher happened to notice it and started talking to him about why why does your shoe look like this? And it's because uh, you've been practicing a skateboard trick over and over and over again, trying to perfect it. And from that spark of inspiration, they were, were able to like reorient around the classic brick that draws, that pulls in that idea of mastery and skill development. And um, it's been a big win for them in the long run. It's interesting to hear you, uh, you know, attribute mastery and control as things that kids really care about. Because, you know, mm-hmm. in the employee engagement research, we hear purpose, mastery, and autonomy, which to me is a form of control, being in control yeah. of the way you do your work. So there's consistency there from childhood right through to being an employee yeah. at a big company. <laughs> All right. You've illuminated for us a lot of problems with methods of customer understanding where you ask customers what they did or why they did it and get answers, you know, self-reported methods. So is any of the data you get that way just useless? I mean, should, should companies stop doing surveys? I know a lot of customers would probably be happy to stop getting surveys <laughs> every sent to them. Is, you know, is this a, something where everyone's going to be happier because we'll we won't have all that bad data and people won't be wasting their time filling out a survey? Or, or what would you recommend? Yeah, so the short answer is no. As I mentioned, self-report methods do have a place in a research program, but it's just about being thoughtful of when you're pulling those things in. So, for instance, surveys are a great tool for validation, not for idea generation. So if you're going out and kind of getting the lay of the land of what's going on, doing taking more of a qualitative approach, surveys can help you evaluate is this really true for our larger customer base? Are the things that we're finding resonating um, with a larger group of people? So they work great for that. On the other hand, interviews are kind of best for just the opposite. A lot of times what ends up happening is firms or some researchers, they 
decide on an idea that they think is great, and they use interviews as a way to kind of test out that idea. What do you think about this? You know, trying to get opinions on things, but because of the social pressures of an interview situation, again, you end up getting not very valid data from that approach to interview. So interviewing should really be about exploration, talking to people, trying to understand their underlying motivators, and not really addressing specific questions. And in the report, there's a section in there that outlines when you're using these self-report methods, where should you be thinking about them in the larger suite of the research that you're doing and using them to get closer to understanding as opposed to farther away in some cases. So what I'm hearing is that all these <laughs> all these methods, even the ones within the self-report bucket, are not made equal. And there's a time and situation in which you must apply them and don't try to apply them in other situations because they won't give you the outcome that you're looking yep. for. Have maybe a user researcher on your team that <laughs> understands those. Right. That, I think yeah. that's a key thing, too. Yeah. People who are trained in a research background tend to have mm-hmm. an understanding of this. And I think because everyone recognizes, or what our data shows, everyone recognizes the value of research and people try to do it. But when you don't have someone in the mix who understands the biases that are in play, yeah, you can end up getting data that takes you further away <laughs> from where you want to be. Great. Well, Kelly, thank you for joining us and for walking us through your new report and listeners, uh, if you want to become readers, the, the report is called Build Real Customer Understanding, and it's live on the site now. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.